you know you make the devil mad when you're at church on Sunday night, right? So you're here. It's, it's so good to, uh, to be uh, back here. And thank you, Pastor Josh, for inviting me over. And um, excited to just uh, see a lot of familiar faces. I see a lot of new faces. So that's awesome. And, uh, and I like how you guys kind of, you know, you got the whole, you have to be a panoramic preacher here, right? So um, I love it. All right. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. And uh, I won't uh, preach long um, this evening. Um, I'm reminded of the uh, old country preacher. Um, I'm not as country as your pastor. Um, he is very country. Um, we are family, uh, but we both did grow up in uh, rural uh, communities. So I remember of the old country preacher who uh, went through the stage of life where he had to get dentures. And uh, so his first Sunday after getting his new dentures back in the pulpit, he preached for 10 minutes. And then uh, the, the second Sunday, he got uh, into the pulpit and he preached for 20 minutes. And then the third uh, Sunday, he preached for an hour and a half. So after the third Sunday, they said, Pastor, what, what in the world is going on? He said, well, you know that first week, he said, my gums were really, really sore. And then he said, you know that second week, he said, um, those new dentures were just really, really hurting me. And he said, that third week, he said, I accidentally picked up my wife's dentures and put them in that morning. <laughs> That's a terrible joke. That's a terrible joke. All right. So, Boo is right. That's, that, is, that is exactly right. But I say that as a um, troll. <laughs> Pastor said true story. Pastor's in trouble. Um, but it is an honor to be here with you tonight. And I uh, appreciate you being in the house of God. And I want to share with you from this story prayed this afternoon. Um, I never... Um, like to preach just to preach, um, but I do uh, want to hopefully share something that will encourage you and, and lift you up. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 16, and let's start at verse 16. Look at probably for most of you, it would be a familiar story. So now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Verse 18, And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. Verse 23 said, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner stocks, inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25 says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. 
Suddenly, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. I want to talk to you tonight on this thought, preparing, okay, preparing for a great awakening, preparing for a great awakening. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word is life. Your word is hope. I pray tonight that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. I thank you for these people that have gathered here. And God, I ask that you would just encourage them tonight, lift them up from your word. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to prepare for a great awakening. I do believe, and I know, uh, especially in Pentecostal churches, we use that phrase a lot. But I do believe with all my heart that we... Um, are living in the greatest days of church history. And we are preparing for God to do something amazing. Um, you know, God is not up in heaven uh, tonight, nervous about the days we live in. He's not having a panic attack. You know, he's not texting the angels, OM me or OMG, okay? He's not worried, all right? God has always had a plan from the very foundations of the earth, and that is this, that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. All right, so God has this incredible plan, and, and probably my favorite part about it is he chooses to use you and I. He wants us all to be a part of it. He wants every single church to be a part of it. And, and we believe with all of our heart that God's word says what it, what it, what it means, that in the last days he is going to pour out his spirit. And, and, and I, I like to believe that even some of the, the great apostles, some of the great early leaders are even in heaven today wondering, man, I wonder what it would be like to be alive today. Because we're getting ready to experience a great awakening, a great awakening. And in this story, we see the early church experience a great awakening. We, we see uh, a mighty, uh, really, revival break out in the prison house, all right, where the Bible says, we just read it, everyone's chains were loosed, right? Everyone got deliverance, everyone got freedom. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to experience. That's what I want to experience. So let me point out a couple things tonight from this story that I believe that we can hopefully learn from and apply to our life. Look at verse 16 where the story starts, it says, now it happened. Can you say that with me? Say, now it happened. And then what's the next phrase? As we did what? Went to prayer. Let me point out number one to you, what I would call the petition. So if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down, okay? Uh, the petition for an awakening is this, and the Bible makes no mistakes about it, no bones about it, all right? It happened as we were what? Going to prayer. Any great move of God that's ever happened in history happened as God's people began to set themselves to seek the face of God. The Bible doesn't say, now it happened as we went to the fellowship dinner. Okay, nothing wrong with fellowship dinners, all right? I've been to a few of them myself, okay? It doesn't happen, now it happened as we went to the worship service or the prayer service. What did it, it says, now it happened as we went to prayer, right? As we set our hearts to seek the face of God, 
is when everything started. See, the petition for a great awakening happens when, when our hearts begin to, to set themselves to seek the face of God, to pray, to learn how to pray, to learn how to seek God. I know that that might sound a little bit old-fashioned in the world that we live in today, but I still believe in prayer. I still believe in, in learning to pray. I remember um, my father as a kid, I remember watching and observing him. And, and I remember that there were, there were times when I would uh, run into my parents' room to, uh, you know, try, try to find something, probably try to grab some socks out of his drawer or something, all right? And, um, and I would find him um, not watching movies or playing video games or chatting on the phone, but I would find him on his knees. And I would find him weeping and crying out. And I remember watching that as a young kid, and I remember the impression that that left on my life. I remember driving with my dad as, when he would take us to school, and there were two things that I remember. Number one, he was a terrible driver. I mean, absolutely terrible driver. I mean, you put your life in your own hands when you hop in a car with my dad. I'm just telling you, okay? So that was number one. But the second thing that I always remember... There's three things. The second thing was he had a cup of coffee, okay, that, and maybe your parents have did this before, and this was before the fancy Yeti cups, all right, and he would set that cup of coffee right up on the dashboard, and that thing would not move. And given number one that he was a terrible driver, that makes number two even more amazing, okay? And as a kid, I'd sit there and say, how is that staying there? All right, I was just mesmerized. But then the third thing and the most important thing that I remember about my dad was this. There was always a sound coming from him. There was always a sound. It wasn't loud. It wasn't obnoxious. But I always remember as a kid, what is that? And it was later on in life when I realized he was praying in spirit. He was interceding. He was praying. Probably many of those prayers for me, right? Now I return the favor praying for him driving, okay, at his old age. But I'm thankful for the legacy, okay, of people who taught me how to pray. And any great awakening that we're going to have in our lives, in our churches, in our community, it's going to happen when we set ourselves to pray, to seek the face of God, to, to, to make time for him. To, it's, it's, it's the principle of putting God first in our life. Pull up Joshua, and let's look at this passage. Uh, I, I love this, the instructions in Joshua chapter 3, where... Uh, the, the children of Israel are getting ready to go into a new beginning, a new phase in life. And, and look at the instructions that Joshua received. It says, Joshua rose early in the morning. And he set out from Acacia Grove and came to Jordan. And he had all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. And it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying this, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from the place and do what? Go after it. Can you say go after it? Verse 4 says this, yet there shall be a space. Everybody say a space between you and it. Now listen, keep that scripture there. Before we ever go into a new phase in life, when we ever experience anything more for God, there is a principle here that we have to learn, and that is this. We have to make space for the presence of God. It's a principle that's never changed since the very, very beginning that God has to be first in our life. 
It's the principle that in our lives and all the busyness and all the chaos and everything that we have to do, that God has to come first, that we have to make space. Everybody say, make space. The, 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 the instructions might have seemed very simple, but they were very important. You have to make space for the presence of God. I remember uh, last year when the, the new um, update came out on the iPhone and there's this little thing called a screen time report. I didn't even ask for it. It just popped up and gave it to me. And here's what it was. It was a report of how much time I'd spent on my phone. I remember the first time I read it, I was like, get behind me, Satan. You are a liar. There is no way. But what that report did, it will tell you. See, in life, what happens is this. We get caught up in, in the busyness of life. We know that we've got to work and we have responsibilities, but I'm telling you, if we're going to experience anything great from God, we've got to learn to make space. Everybody say, make space. It's a priority of God first. And here's why, because this, here's why it says make space. It says, don't come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For why? Because you've not passed or went this way before. Here's why it has to be priority numero uno in our life today, okay? Because you've not lived in 2019. You've not lived in May, uh, you have, sorry, you've not lived on May the 6th, 2019, okay? We've not lived on May the 7th, 2019. So we need every day a space for God, right? We can't fight the, the battles that we're facing today on last week's courage, on last week's space, we have to have space every day to make space for the presence of God. Are you following me tonight? Now it happened as we went to prayer. Everybody say prayer. We got to make time for God. We have to make space in our life to begin to, to seek after God. Now let's see what happens back to Acts. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. So first, the petition for an awakening. The second thing I want to talk to you about is the condition for an awakening. The condition for an awakening. So as they went to prayer, notice what happens. Now this spirit comes out and begins to come against them. Notice any time that you set yourself to begin to seek after the things of God, to begin to honor God, to begin to follow after him. Maybe you're here and you uh, have a business and you're like, you know what, I'm going to make sure my business, we're going we're gonna to honor God and, and we want to uh, sow seed and we're going to do all this. Anytime you set out, you say, all right, you know what, we're going to have a godly marriage and we're going to have a godly family and we're going to do that. The minute that you set yourself to begin to head in that direction, you need to go ahead and just take it to the bank and deposit it. There is going to be opposition that comes against you. So it should not floor us. It should not discourage us when we go through seasons when we're wondering, why is all hell going against me? It's because you're going somewhere. Dogs never bark at parked cars. They only bark at cars that are going somewhere. 
They're going somewhere. They're moving somewhere. So the minute that you, some of you here tonight are maybe even discouraged, you're like, you know, in my family, we're trying to, our, we're trying to honor God. We're trying to have a godly marriage. And, and once you know, as soon as we get our, what we think our lives in order and we're coming to church, all hell breaks loose. That's because you're doing something right. You're moving in the right direction. You're, you're, you're positioning yourself for a great awakening. You see, there was somewhere new that they were going. There was a breakthrough that was about to happen. And this was the tipping point where they positioned themselves to prayer and then the opposition came. You see, there is this thought somehow in our, a lot of our churches today that the minute that you come to Christ, man, it's just going to be smooth sailing from here on out. No problems, no issues, no hiccups. Nobody's ever going to offend you. Nobody's ever going to hurt your feelings. You're going to be in the perfect church. Nobody's ever, you know, not going to shake your hand and hurt your feelings and all this stuff, okay? It's just going to be perfect. There's a, there's a, a word for that thinking in Greek, and it's translated this, baloney, okay? You, we're, we are going to have problems. We are going to have opposition, the, the, the prophets of old said, when you, when, when you go through the fire, you won't be burned. When you go through the waters, they won't over. It, it's, it's not an if. It's just a when. You're going to have problems. We, we sang about it tonight. Did you notice the words on, on, on the overhead that we were singing? When I go through the desert. In the desert time is when I'm going to praise you. You know, Isaiah said that um, even youths, grow weary, right? And then he talked about that, that sometimes we're walking, sometimes we're running, sometimes we're flying like an eagle. That means sometimes you're going to go through life, there's going to be seasons when you feel like you're flying high. Then there's going to be some seasons when you not be flying, but you're, you're running. But there's also going to be some seasons when you're like, I'm just walking. But you're still headed in the right direction. We're talking about the condition. Everybody say the condition. The condition for a great awakening is you, go, you better go ahead and expect the opposition. Because here's something that I, that I learned early on, and I wish I would have learned it a lot earlier, and that is this. That the opposition, the tension that we feel, it's good. Because it's working inside of us something of great benefit. How many knows, how would it look if my wife walked in in the morning and she found me like this? And she said, Randy. I said, don't call 911. Just be quiet. Shh. Don't bother me. I'm working out. 29, 30. Set one. Okay. I can do this. Push through. Oh, perfect. It's set number two. Because some of us think that we can grow spiritually. Our families can grow. Our ministries can grow. Come on. Without any opposition. But here's the thing. If there's no opposition, if there's nothing pressing against us, there's no muscles built. There's no spiritual muscles built that is positioning us for the breakthrough. So as Pentecostals, we want to get excited and about new seasons. And we want to get excited about 
Great awakenings. But listen, it only comes with the condition of knowing we're going to go through some stuff. There's going to be some things that's going to press against you and push against you. And so stop thinking, man, what's wrong? I've made a wrong decision. God's mad at me. No, you're just conditioning yourself for the next breakthrough. Are you following me tonight? Now what happened as we went to prayer? See, we have to just, we got to condition ourselves. It's okay. I remember a few years ago, as you can tell by looking at me, I've told you before, I'm six foot two, 200 and none of your business pounds, okay? I, I don't like to run. As you can tell, I'm not a runner. Um, but some of my friends wanted me to go run a 5K. And so I was like, you know what? We're friends. I will honor our friendship and I'm going to train for this 5K. My first night, they sent me this plan. You know, it's like this couch to 5K plan. My first night, I didn't even make it out of the cul-de-sac. I mean, I was, I was wasted. I was just like, I thought, I thought they was going to call the paramedics. I didn't even make it out of the cul-de-sac. And I was like, dear God, I'm never going to be able to run this 5K. I kid you not, I am not lying. One night, I was running in my neighborhood, and the guy stopped me. This is honest to God truth. He stopped me, and I had my headphones on, so I couldn't hear it. It really scared me. Um, and he said, hey, bro. I said, yeah. He said, uh, do you have a cigarette? And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't have a cigarette. I don't smoke. I'm sorry. He's like, okay. And then I'm running. I'm like, man, he must, I must have sounded like, <sighs> he's probably like, that's a smoker right there. I'm going to get a cigarette off of him. I was so out of shape. So out of it. But can I tell you, weak after week, after week, you know what happening? My body started getting conditioning. Started getting whipped into shape. So here's what happens. Can I tell you sometimes, uh, as Pentecostals, sometimes we are the most pansy people around. Because we want to jump and we want to shout and we want to get excited about, you know, new beginnings, new miracles. But listen, it doesn't happen until we get conditioned. We're going to have to go through some stuff. And what we need to do is learn to say, hey, it's okay because I'm moving somewhere. My family's moving somewhere. We've made a decision for me and my house. We're honoring God. We're not going to live like everybody else. So when you're going through the opposition, it's okay. It's okay. God's working something strong in you to do something brand new that's greater. It's greater. So the condition for a great awakening. Listen, you can't give up. You can't throw in the towel. Learn this phrase. The resistance is good. The resistance is good. In life, when you're going through new challenges and new pushbacks, it's creating in you something greater that the Lord is doing. So just let Him do it. Let Him do it and keep moving on. Number three. Not only do we need to have the petition for a great awakening and the condition, but let me point out what I believe is the transition for an awakening. Verse 18 says, but Paul. Everybody say, but Paul. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit. So here's what happens. They're headed to pray, prayer. This late girl comes along. She's saying all this stuff. It looks like she acts like it's something good when it's really not. And finally, there comes a point with Paul where he makes a decision when he's like, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going to confront this for what it is. 
So here's where I believe we transition for a great awakening is when we have the courage to confront some things that are really out of line with what we know God should be doing in our life. When we have the courage to confront it in our own lives and in life in general. Paul finally had this point where he said, you know what? This, this it's enough. This should not be, it cannot be, and I am going to confront it. If we, if we are going to transition to a great awakening, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to, have to have the courage to confront some things. We're going to have the courage to get real with some things. We're going to have to get, have the courage to, to deal with some things, not only in, in our personal life, but things in general. Notice Paul, he, he sees right through it, and, and he knows that there's a spirit that's behind that. So, so here's how this works. Sometimes we're progressing so well in our personal walk, and then all of a sudden it's like we hit this wall, and we want to say, well, you know, this is as far as I can get, um, you know, because I, I'm, personally this is just how I am. We maybe sit into a class, you're trying to go deeper in your walk with God. Somebody points out, hey, maybe you got some, uh, a mentor says, you know, maybe you got some anger issues. You know, maybe you got some things you've not dealt with. Oh, you, well, you know, that, that's just who I am. That's who my dad was, that's who my grandfather was. Well, here's the deal. Until we have the courage to confront some things and deal with them for what they are, we never get to move on. We got to have the courage to confront it. Paul stops right there and he says, you know, enough is enough. There is a spirit behind this. And it looks like it's good, but it's really not good. We have to have the courage to confront those things. And it's not always fun. It's not always fun. I was sharing a Joplin family this morning. I remember a few years ago, I went to, a, uh, I was having some physical things and I went to a doctor and I was talking to this doctor and I hate going to the doctor. I don't like it at all. So my wife had convinced me to go, but this doctor walked in, he was really young and cool and hip and we were just hanging out like buddies. And I was like, man, this isn't that bad after all. You know, and he's like, what's going on? And I was telling him, he's like, oh, cool. He's writing it all down. I was like, this isn't bad. You know, he's like, well, I'll, I'll be back in a little bit. He walks out and about five minutes later, the senior physician walked in and he took off his bifocals and, and then he started asking me questions like, what do you eat every day? I was like, it's none of your business. <laughs> He's like, what, what, what's your diet look like? How much are you exercising? All these things. And I was like, can you go get that young guy back in here right now? Like, I don't want you all up in my grill. But so sometimes what has to happen is we have to have the courage to confront some things. Are you with me? We got to have the courage to, to confront some things. A few years ago, my, my uh, youngest daughter, Callie, which some of you remember when I came here, she was, she was a baby when we attended Christ Point. I got home from school, or I got home from work, and she grabbed me by the hand and run me up into her bedroom. And I said, Callie, what is going on? She's like, you will not believe what happened today. And I was like, well, what's wrong? She's like, they made me change my color at school. Uh, that means she got in trouble, okay? So that's, that's how that happens in today's world. You get a color change, all right? So they changed my color. I said, well, Callie, what did you do? She said, we were outside on the playground for recess. And she said, um, this kid in my class who remained nameless, he pooped his pants. And I said, okay. 
And I said, well, what happened then? Uh, she said, I looked at him and said, hey, this isn't preschool anymore. <laughs> and I was like, true, <laughs> true. I said, but Callie, you probably could have been a little bit more graceful with him, right? But how many of those sometimes in life, if we really want to take the next step, we need some Callies in our life. We need some Callies in our life that say, you know what? Your attitude stinks. You know what? You, you, you really should be uh, progressing more than you are. You, you, you really need to get past those things. And so let's just get to the heart of the issue and get real, right? Paul, greatly annoyed, said, I've had it. I'm dealing with this spirit. If we're going to move and progress in the day and age in which we live in, we're going to have to get real and be willing to confront some things. Are you with me? If we want a great awakening from God, the transition is we have to begin to con confront some things in our life. Are you still with me tonight? Let's look at number 4, verse 25. Verse 25 says this. So after they beat Paul and Silas, they put them in, their, in the inner prison. Verse 25 says this. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So let me talk to you real quick, and we'll wrap it up. Let me share with you what I believe is the position for an awakening. The position for an awakening if you want to, to grow and we want to experience all that God has for us, we've got to make sure that we are in the right position. We've got to make sure that we are in the right position for what God wants to do. See, here's, here's where the jailer made the mistake. The jailer made the mistake when he put Paul and Silas locked together. That's where he messed up. You see, because you, you position yourself for a great awakening when you get connected with the right people. See, what would have happened if, if Paul got locked up with bro Brother Blabberface? Who all they wanted to do was blah, 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 complain. Why are we here? Why is this happening to us? Come on. Anybody ever had friends like that? All right. What, what would have happened if he got locked up with Sister Debbie Downer, right? Well, this, oh, every time I try to do something, we were just worshiping God, and now we're in prison. Come on, are you following me tonight? But see, you position yourself when you get locked up with the right people. When you get locked up with the right people who have the right heart, the right attitude, the right mind. Okay, Paul and Silas were, were together. They were positioned together. When Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said this, you were running well. Who hindered you? Most of us, we, instead of who, we want to say what? Like you were doing so good. What was it? Was it pornography? Was it drugs? Was it an old addiction? No, Paul said, you were doing so good. Who? Who? Who was it that you got connected with? Who was that person of influence that started directing you, turning you in the wrong direction? If, if we are going to position ourselves for an awakening, we got to get connected with the right people. Amen? How many knows that when we're connected with the right people, 
There's power in that. There's power. Can I tell you, Christ Point Church, hell shudders at the thought of a church coming together and just being united in one mission. Hell knows the power of unity. You never see a demon run around saying, I've had it. I'm going to go start my own hell. But imagine with me, imagine with me, if you get a body of Christ who comes together and they say, you know what? We want to experience something great from the kingdom of God. We want to experience something great. Imagine when we come together and we lay aside our preferences and we lay aside our traditions and what we prefer and we say, you know what? Let's just believe God to do something great in our community. Let's believe God that we want to make it hard for people to go to hell in Galena, Kansas. Come on. Are you with me? But see, when, when, if, you, if you want that, you you gotta, you got to come together and you've got to be united. And you've got to say, you know what? We're going to confront the things that we need to confront because we want to be a living, vibrant voice, a place of hope in our community for today. 2019, we have to reach our, our generation. So you got to get connected and you got to be, you got to be lined up with the right people. And when you hear people, when they're all, when they're all bent out of shape over something silly, because let me, let me just talk about other churches. We won't talk about this church at all. Okay. Let me talk about other churches. I've been in churches where people get bent out of shape about just about anything, anything. You, you change the color of the carpet, they're bent out of shape. You put up black curtains, they're bent out of shape because black is the devil, okay? The lights come down in worship and we say, why are the lights coming down? Why are lights shining in my eyes, okay? Why is the music louder? Why, 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 why? Somebody once said, you know, all a question mark is is an exclamation point that got bent out of shape. And here's the deal. Here's why I can, I can say this is because this. We have to get serious about reaching the community we live in today. And, and your pastor and leaders of today's congregation, they don't get the liberty and privilege of babysitting the way we did church back in 1980. Because they have to be accountable for today's generation. To be a living, vibrant voice that says, you know what? We are going to be a house of hope, a relevant voice to the generation we live in. But when that happens, there has to be some growing. There's got to be some stretching. There's got to be some things that we confront and we say, you know what? Uh, You might be acting like that is a spiritual thing, but it's not a spiritual thing. That's a preference. That's a personal preference, and it's got to be gone because there's a spirit behind it, and we're going to confront it. And why are we confronting it? Because we want everyone's chains to be, ba- to be set free and everyone to be loosed. Are you with me tonight? But it takes some conditioning, some positioning. So when you get locked up with people who are all been out of shape, just say, you know what, come on, get with the game. Is that really necessary? Is that, is that, does that spirit really honor God? And if it doesn't, just encourage him to go get bent out of shape somewhere else, okay? Are you with me tonight? Sorry, pastor, I said that, okay? okay. 
Get connected with the right people. Encourage them. Speak life over them so that you can experience miracles. Because when you get connected with the wrong people and the wrong thinking and the wrong attitude, it starts pulling you south fast. That same spirit will jump all over you and it will be all around you. You position yourself by getting locked up with the right people, with the right mindset that, hey, I want to honor God. I want to honor God. I want to honor God. I want to experience everything. And then the last thing is this, is you position yourself by this, not only being locked up with the right person, but watch how Paul and Silas experience their miracle. They start praising and worshiping. We did it tonight. How do Paul and Silas get their miracle? They start worshiping God in their desert. They start praising God. They start singing out praises. Something powerful happens in your heart and life when you're going through some valleys, when you're going through some obstacles. And you know what you do? You turn your pout into a praise. Come on. All right. And you start singing songs to God. Job, we read in the Bible, had the absolute, most absolute, most absolute worst day ever in Job's life. And you know what scripture records of Job at the end of the day? He fell down and he got on Facebook and said, this is a bunch of junk. This No, Job, the Bible says Job fell down on his knees and he worshiped. And he worshiped. We position ourselves. The miracle is about to happen, but you position yourself by being a praiser. And you say, you know what? I'm going to praise God in spite of what everything looks like. I'm going to praise God in spite of what the situation sounds like, in spite of the report that I've received, in spite of everything that is coming against me. I am still going to praise God because He is worthy. We want a great awakening. Would you stand with me tonight? Would you stand with me tonight? And here's what I want you to do. So honored that you came out on a Sunday night. Would you just do this right now as we prepare to close? Would you just have a moment right there with God? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just ask God to position you for a great awakening. Ask God to position your family Lord, position me. We want to see your miracles, God. We want to experience your power. Lord, we can't do life without you. We want you. Would you just tell them that? Just tell him, say, God, we want, I want you. I want you in my family. I want you in my marriage. I want you in my workplace. Say this, say, God, I want your power to be revealed in me. Ask him, say, God, I want to experience supernatural. Paul and Silas had no clue how they're going to get out of this situation. 
that as they began to set their heart, they saw the supernatural hand of God. I don't know about you, I want to see the supernatural hand of God in my life. Would you just ask him for that right now? Come on. Come on, I want you to lift your voice and just begin to pray. Say, God, we want, we want to experience your supernatural power. We don't want to just read about it. We don't want to just sing about it. We want to experience it, Lord. We want to see your miracles. We want to see your miracles, Lord. We want to lay hands on the sick, and Lord, that they would, be, they would recover in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to prophesy, Lord, not necessarily in the church. We want to prophesy in Walmart and in Target. We want to see miracles happen, Lord. Everywhere that we go, we want the supernatural power of God to be revealed. So God, would you position us, Lord, in Jesus' name. May we be vessels that bring you honor. Vessels that bring you glory. Lord, in Jesus' name. God, position our hearts. Position our families. Lord, in Jesus' name. Position our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Position our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every believer here tonight. I pray that we would experience you, Lord, like we've never experienced you before. Strengthen those, Lord, right now who are going through trials, who are feeling pressure, who are feeling opposition. Give them supernatural strength, Lord. Help us, God. So we need to pray this before I hand it over to Josh. We need to pray this specific prayer. Help us to make space for you. Come on, can we pray that together, Lord? Help us to make space for you. Help us to make space for you. May you be priority number one in our lives, Lord. Come on, pray that. God, help us to make space. Lord, let us push through all the excuses. Let us push through all the distractions. Lord, let us be people that know how to pray. People that know how to pray. People that know how to pray in Jesus' name. Come on, pray that. Make space. We want to make space for you in Jesus' name. We want to know how to be able to get a hold of you, God. In Jesus' name. So bless your children tonight. Thank you for Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray.